2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
4: I can't believe that all of the conversations we had ended in this. I was
1: just shaking. I think my body was just in shock. Welcome to Betrayal, everyone. I'm your host, Darren Carp, And in this episode, Betrayal takes a whole other meaning. When a radio DJ from Texas moves to California to be with a woman he met online, all hell breaks loose, for lack of a better term here. It's a catfish betrayal involving unspeakable tragedy and deceit. And although my voice might be a little hoarse on this episode, it's because I've just been talking nonstop about this absolutely mind-blowing story. And who else? Could join me in this discussion about an ultimate catfish betrayal than the catfishing expert himself. You know him from the hit MTV show Catfish or Dancing with the Stars. I mean, he he's kind of the guy that can do it all. It's none other than Neve Schulman. Welcome to the show, Neve. How you doing? Good to see you again.
0: Hey, all right. Thanks for having me, Darren. Is there anything you can't do? You've got to get on Dancing with the Stars. I think you'd be great.
1: Um, No, sir. Uh, I cannot move my body in any sort of real way. I'm one of those like mid-30s girls that like really lets out a deep sigh when they sit into a couch Mm. that's very comfortable. So we'll have to work up to the Dancing with the Stars, I think.
0: I I just feel like, you know, if I got you a couple drinks and you were at a wedding with friends, you'd you'd probably move better than you think.
1: Note the uh, operative word there is couple of drinks, first and foremost. But, uh, you know, Neve, I've had the pleasure of interviewing you before, obviously for your incredibly successful show, Catfish. You know, what really sparked your interest in true crime? Because you kind of have your own catfishing story yourself. Is that the thing that sparked the whole thing for you?
0: I do like true crime and I do find it fascinating. Uh, And, you know, I I didn't necessarily think I was going to be someone whose job Um, revolved around mystery and the internet. At least that wasn't initially what I set out to do, but I find that it's fascinating and interesting and um, people are by nature uh, unpredictable. And I think when you mix in the element of the internet, it just becomes that much more unpredictable. So I'm loving it.
1: Well, good. I mean, you do, you do very good work. And I think that's actually a perfect way to kind of get into this week's case, because obviously this is called betrayal and catfishing while might not be true crime, it is a crime of the heart uh, in a lot of ways that I like to see it. There is romance involved in it and this episode is no different. So let's get into this week's betrayal episode. So Alan Lee Lama was a provocative radio DJ in Kingman, Arizona, this guy was known for his shenanigans on and off the radio. Big personality, as a lot of radio DJs are. One of his most notorious stunts happened when he asked his listeners to meet him on Beach Street, one of the most prominent streets in the community. He said to meet him there because he was going to be walking naked. Neve, I'm sure you relate to this heavily. If I know you, you <laughs> love to walk naked every chance I see you. I, I this, this I know about you. And as you might expect, whether you wanted to see Alan naked or not, this actually drew a lot of curiosity with the people who tuned in to hear his outlandish personality. And sure enough, listeners showed up. Who doesn't want to see a naked man walking down the street? I don't, but other people apparently do. And saw Alan walking naked down Beach Street, except Alan was totally clothed and he was walking his dog on a leash, whose name was naked. So these are just kind of the stunts that this DJ provided. See, now that's,
0: that's what, that's what we would call dog fishing in, in the (laughs) industry. You know, people thought they were going to see him naked, but it was actually a dog.
1: I don't know how cats got this bad name. I'm a cat lover myself, but if we could, if we could change the name to dogfish, I would think I'd be a little bit happier about that. But, you know, as you can see, obviously through these little cute stunts, you know, he's just this over the top DJ personality, which is nothing wrong with that. But even though his career was thriving as the guy who walked naked down the street, Alan met and fell in love with a woman named Amy, a loans officer based a hundred miles away in San Antonio, Texas. And not only were were they romantically involved, they became engaged and eventually got married. His abrupt eagerness to leave town to be with Amy even took some of his coworkers by surprise. But, Neve, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because you see people sort of in love all the time. I mean, there are surprising things that we do for love, no?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, arguably, all of the... All of history's sort of greatest and worst decisions have probably been made in the name of love. (laughs) Yes.
1: Religion or love, I would say. Those are kind of the big two that we're maybe making decisions on. Yeah, probably. But but good point. You know, but things went awry for Alan once he arrived in San Antonio. We're, We're taking this back to June 2001 now. So, you know, about 20 years ago, he couldn't find any DJing work there. So he had to find new ways to make money, including being a masseuse at the local mall. Alan's drop in status takes a big toll and his marriage to Amy falls apart pretty quickly, which is always unfortunate to see. He's newly single. He's in an unfamiliar town. The world can be his oyster. And now he's looking for love online. And through the midst of searching, one particular girl calling herself Abby O grabs his attention. So Neve, I need to get kind of expertise in there. What are the red flags when it comes to online identity? I mean, Is the fact that her full name wasn't available maybe a red flag to you? Does something smell fishy here? Is there something that people need to look out for when initially meeting someone online?
0: Yeah, well, I think the name Abby is always a red flag because that that was actually the name of the girl that I was talking to uh, (gasps) as part of my catfishing experience. So if you see the name Abby, I think you need to be initially a little skeptical. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, look, it's tough because there really is no science to figuring out if you're talking to a real person or not. You, uh, it depends how much you want to do. If you if you meet someone initially and you just want to get to know them and become friendly, fine. Uh, you know You don't have to dig too deep. But if it becomes a constant communication that seems to be flirtatious and leading towards meeting up, and that person either can't meet up or for some reason is avoiding meeting up, then you need to start to that, I think, go through a basic checklist of, okay, well, what do I know about this person? Do I know their full name? Do I know where they work? Uh, right. Can I do some sort of background check information? Maybe, you know, even just a Google search or, or reverse phone search. You know, there's some, there's some steps you should start to take when things don't immediately go as you hope they would.
1: I mean, and if it had been, in your opinion, just in your experience, I mean, if it had been, if it's starting to move in the romantic direction, do you suggest sort of getting on FaceTime pretty quickly just at least to acknowledge each other's real personhood, if that's the right term here? I mean,
0: yes. To some extent, I would say it's always a good idea before you agree to meet up with someone to have FaceTimed or video chatted. Um, I do know that a lot of people find that a little uncomfortable or they think it's awkward. Right. Um, so I, if, if you meet someone online and within you know, a reasonable amount of time agree to meet up in person somewhere public and, and safe and that works out, then fine, great. But if there again, if there seems to be some sort of delay or, or constant conflict or, or scheduling issues or excuses or things come up at that point you have to say okay how much longer am i going to allow myself to pursue this without this right. person giving me some sort of formal face to face you know interaction
1: and, and as you said before, we do crazy things for love. So sometimes our limits of what we will put up with um, can can contract, yeah, depending on, on how much we're feeling this. Well, Alan and Abby O connected on country music, and it was sort of off to the races with their online romance. I do find that online romances can really escalate very quickly. You know, we all kind of want to connect, I think, with someone, and it turns out Abby is perfect for Alan, but there's one downside. She lives 1,400 miles away in the desert of Southern California. This is a true long-distance relationship. They're hitting it off, and Alan begs Allie to come and visit him in Texas, but she won't fly all that way to meet a virtual stranger. But five months later, and and by the way, let me just say, as a woman, I kind of understand that because— Oh, yeah. He, he could be catfishing her. I think, you know, anyone should want to feel safe, men and women. But specifically for women, I do find that there might be an extra barrier of entry, if you will, there. Well, five months later, Alan's career luck finally changes. He scores an interview with a radio station in California. And if Abby won't come to San Antonio, he'll go to Victorville, where Abby lives. People have described Victorville as a place that people pass on their way to something more interesting. That's the opposite of what I would like to be called on a date, but it's not all palm trees and beaches like one might think of Southern California. Now, remember, this is basically Death Valley, right? So there's almost nothing going on out there. I would think, Neve. That if I, this is a woman who wants to be a singer, she has career aspirations, I would think if nothing's going on in her hometown, she would at least be more willing to go to Texas in the hopes of being a singer or finding a career like that, especially with a DJ boyfriend that can help her. So to me, this was kind of like an immediate red flag, no?
0: Yeah, it it definitely seems that way. And I think something to remember... I find that whenever you're dealing with someone and logic doesn't seem to apply, like in this case, oh, why wouldn't you want to come to a cool city in Texas where there's career opportunities? You have to remember that people who tend to create and imagine lives for themselves and personalities and profiles often do so because they themselves in real life uh, are not the outgoing, adventurous, motivated person they may present themselves to be. And, and, and in many cases, they feel isolated, they've isolated themselves, and they are afraid right. of socializing or, or, or taking chances or going out, you know, into the unknown. So it makes sense now hearing that, because of course, you'd think someone would want to leave their hometown if there's nothing going on there. But in, but in this case, you know, we begin to understand perhaps why she didn't.
1: Right. You're right. I mean, I do think there's an element of online dating anyway that might There could be a certain personality type that kind of gravitates towards it. So, that as a baseline, so that absolutely makes sense. And Alan actually arrived in Victorville excited because he'd not only be interviewing for a local radio station, kind of getting back in, you know, back into the saddle with what he liked to do, but he's meeting Abby for the first time. So, Alan's waiting around in his hotel room, finally ready to meet Abby, and he gets a knock on his door. The moment has arrived, he's finally going to meet the love of his life, but not yet. Instead of Abby, it's a woman named Kathy who's saying she is Abby's best friend.
0: All right, time out. This is always a bad This is sound. bad. <laughs> whenever, you, <laughs> yes. whenever you make plans to meet someone and a friend or cousin or some sort of acquaintance shows up in their place, you can bet 100% the first thing out of their mouth is going to be bullshit. I mean, there's never a reason for that to happen. Yeah. And, uh, and, And oftentimes when it does, not only have you been lied to, but there's a good chance the person who's there in place of you know, the one you're hoping would be there is in fact the person you've been talking to.
1: Exactly. And I don't want to make any judgments necessarily, but for me, right. I mean, it, it, I personally, if I was meeting someone for the first time that I had not in online, I'm not sure I would send a friend to go tell this person something. Like that happened to me. I, I would call the person or I would text yeah. them or I would interact with them myself. I wouldn't send a liaison, if you will. So- Already this is getting a little fishy. And Kathy, of course, the friend has to relay a message for from Abby, apparently. Unfortunately, Abby has been in a car accident earlier that day. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. apparently Abby's okay. It wasn't that serious. And that she was sad she couldn't be there to meet him. But Alan asks to see Abby. Abby refuses. When he finally gets her on the phone, she says, there's no way they can meet up right now while she's in the hospital because she looks really bad. And there's mm-hmm. nothing left for Alan to do. But the good news is the trip isn't a total waste. First off, car accident. What are the, What's the likelihood of that happening on that day? But in terms of Alan's point of view, what can he possibly say? Because he can't, he doesn't know this person well enough to be like, no, you're lying. Like, and you, you, you don't want to tell right. someone, no, they weren't in a car accident. So I sort of see. I his... know. Well,
0: that's tough.
1: It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It, I don't no, sort of relate to him. It's,
0: here. it's right. I mean, obviously seeing a real person in this case Kathy showing up at the hotel definitely makes it feel as though, well, if Kathy's here for Abby then Abby if she's real then Abby must be real and if she got into a car accident and now now I obviously feel badly. I don't I don't want to pressure her or make or make her feel bad that she won't meet up with me. So you kind of you ha- have no choice but to give her the time and space that she, she requests. Um, but we, you know, there's something we say on catfish. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I think we call, we call them the three C's. Uh, can, I'm, one of them is a car crash. If, if they say they, they got to a car crash, that's often an, an, an excuse. Um, I know the other one of the other ones is cancer, uh, as terrible as oh. that is to say, people often, um, fall back on saying that they or someone in their you know immediate family is is fighting cancer um, because again who who would dare uh, question that um, and argue against it?
1: Those are things you can't fight.
0: You can't fight, but when you hear them, you have to think, like you said, what are the chances that on the day you were supposed to come see me, you got into a car crash you know or what are the chances that on the week of of the trip we had planned to meet up with each other your grandma has to go in for chemotherapy because she's like newly diagnosed like it's not to say those things can't happen it's just when you mix them with other elements and excuses you have to consider that maybe it's a part of a bigger lie
1: web of lies yeah and i and i and i think right. that Sometimes manipulation is very subtle, especially when you're in it. And so this is kind of like that first layer of manipulation. And since meeting at the motel, Kathy and Alan strike up a surprising friendship. From then on, they talk and text regularly, usually about the third party here, Abby. Uh, Alan eventually Mm -hmm. returns to Texas working as a masseuse, but his mind is certainly still on Abby and she's recovering from her accident. But... What do we need to know about Kathy, this random person who showed up at his door when he was trying to meet Abby? I mean, let's take a beat here. If this was happening to one of your friends, Neve, what would be the right thing to do in this scenario? I mean, he's clearly very motivated by Abby, but all the signs are pointing to this being a catfish. So you want to sort of embrace this love, but you also need to remain cautiously optimistic, right?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's tough because he's now back in Texas, so it's not like he can just pop in and say hello. And and it's the strange phenomenon that we've seen now over and over again uh, in the last 10 years making the show, which is that especially um, I think when it comes to men in this case, since we're talking about one, uh, the less you get and the sort of more mysterious a woman is, um, the more desirable she becomes. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and it's, you know, sort of an age old technique, right? You know, give someone less and they'll want more. And I think that's what internet dating and especially kind of catfish relationships really proves, which is this idea that sure, Alan probably could date any number of women in Texas, you know, in his community, um, and, and perhaps he was, but there's something about Abby, this mysterious woman who he's connected with in a, in a sort of more meaningful way than perhaps he's used to, because they've been relegated to just talking and, and texting um, that, that connects him and, and, and draws him to her. And so her life and this, this place and, and that car accident and, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the mystery of Abby is, is so much more alluring to him than, you know, the basic sort of date he might be able to go on at the local bar or restaurant where he's probably been before. Right. So I think that's what makes these relationships so intriguing and exciting and why for him... You know, there's there's a very low level of investment to to stay in this relationship, right? He, he doesn't have to really do anything. It's not costing him any money. He just has to talk and text with the with her, you know, whenever it's convenient. Right. So it's it it's easy to kind of have these things drag out because there's very little you have to really do.
1: It's not high maintenance. Right.
0: right it's very low maintenance. So oh, why why should I stop talking to Abby when I, I you know. It doesn't really cost me anything. I, I, it's easy to do. Should, th- if there's any chance that this really works out, wouldn't it be worth yeah. it?
1: That's a very, very astute point. And I think it's time we learn a little bit more about Kathy, this friend of Abby's. Who is this random person showing up to this hotel room breaking this horrible news? Yeah,
0: Yeah. Who is this Kathy?
1: Kathy's married to a man named Jim, and these two were central figures in the small town, a town that is deeply rooted in their Christian faith, which will kind of play into the story a little bit. Jim's brother described their community as very connected, saying, quote, the church was a central part of our lives. We all met our spouses. Your best friends are all the people you know at church. It's sort of like an extended family, probably the single biggest aspect of our lives, end quote. So these aren't your garden variety Sunday churchgoers. I mean, my sense is this community is very strict, in every aspect of their lives, very gossipy. They probably know a lot about each other. So naturally tensions mount when Kathy's sister-in-law, Tammy, notices stark changes in her behavior.
4: We don't drink or smoke, and she was doing both things and using bad words that we don't generally use. She started losing weight and changed her hair a little bit and was buying a lot of new clothes And I think she just wanted to be a different
1: person. Which, you know, we all sometimes want to be a different person, especially if we grow up in a very small town. So I do not begrudge her for this. Now, Kathy was even making Jim feel bad for spending too much time at church and not enough time working out with her. Tammy even remembered Jim telling her that things were bad between the two of them and that it was a complete Shock to him. He had no idea. And to make matters worse, Jim finds communication with Alan and was, of course, suspicious about this. But Kathy plays it off like Alan is just a friend. And for what we know, he is a friend. I mean, that's right. Abby is the connection here, not really Kathy and Alan. And when she needed someone to talk to about Jim, she confided in Alan. They started to become very good friends. And You know, listen, if I found my significant other having deep communication with somebody, uh, somebody else that I didn't know, I might be a little suspect of it. What do you think, Neve?
0: In relation to the experience I had getting catfished, there were some real parallels here Mm -hmm. because the woman who catfished me was also married um, and had told her husband about me, but had essentially, you know lied and said that I was a client who had been commissioning artwork from her and that I was just really supportive of her art and a friend. And and obviously for me, that was true because Angela, the woman I was talking to, had also then created a younger sort of daughter figure who was the, the, the girl that I was flirting with. So as far as I was concerned, yes, Angela was this woman who I was talking to, who I was friends with, wow. but she had told me the art was coming from someone else. So she had taken pieces of the truth and sort of mixed it in to a bigger lie. Um, and, you know, I I felt badly for the husband because he had no idea that she was sort of falling in love with me when he only thought I was some sort of client. Um, but in this case, you know, I think it definitely sounds like there were some issues between Kathy and Jim already pre-existing and that the relationship that Kathy had started with Alan you know, really magnified that and that she was lying to her husband. (laughs) You could already start to see this whole thing coming apart at the seams. Right. Oh, but what I was going to, what I was also going to say was, so my uh, wife um, for the past few months started an OnlyFans and to sort of track her pregnancy and and just express herself in an environment that is less judgmental and more positive because she's sick of people uh, leaving comments on her yeah. Instagram about what she should and shouldn't do and how she should live and represent herself. And she's just over it. So she started an OnlyFans and she's obviously got now, a, a, you know, she's got a, a nice following of people who are happy to sort of follow her body positivity and and pregnancy journey, but also, of course, a couple of guys that are, you know, more than fans who are really into her mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. always asking for, like, extra sexy stuff. And she's started, like, a, 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 with a couple of these guys. She's got her own little fun side co- conversations going. And they've become friends. And, like, these guys are opening up to her. Um, and it's great. And I'm happy that she's, she's talking to them, even though to, to some extent they would fall into the category of like inappropriate conversations for a sort of married woman to be having sure. and with another man. I think one or both of them who is also married, but I love it. I think it's great because we talk about it and it's fun and, and it's exciting for her. And I don't know. I think if it, it in the right setting, you know, extracurricular, extracurricular conversations or friendships can be really fun as long as there's no secrecy or, or inappropriate thing, element to it.
1: I think that's an amazing, first of all, I think that's an amazing <laughs> point, but I also think you're right. Like the more honest couples are, and I think for here with Jim, he was caught off guard, a very, you know, church going type of wholesome guy here, but caught off guard that it would, they were texting so much and there was secrecy about it. You know, Kathy had never really admitted it to him. So kind of dive into all these text messages here. Alan is back to giving massages in Texas, and he's more anxious than ever to meet Abby. I mean, now it's just its just time. We're at that peak now. And Abby recovers from the accident and tells Alan that she's well enough to return to her singing career. Abby's, Abby says that she wishes she could be there for Kathy because she's having such a hard time with Jim. Mm. But things take a little bit of a turn between Kathy and Jim. One day when Jim finds a phone bill showing that Kathy and Jim, now we talked about him not knowing about the text messages, but they had talked for over 16,000 minutes while racking up in a $1,000 phone bill. That's right, 16,000 minutes in one month. And as you might expect, not only is this a lot of minutes, but this clearly set Kathy's husband, Jim, off. We did the math on this one. 16,000 minutes is 267 hours. That's eleven straight days of phone calls without stopping in one month. So remember, this was early 2000s where there were only, you know, you got free minutes, but but there weren't a lot on your cell phone. And the only free minutes were really on nights and weekends. So there wasn't Snapchat, there wasn't Facebook Messenger, there wasn't FaceTime to find and connect with people in the same way. So it is very, there wasn't an OnlyFans, Nave, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> your wife would have to use other things here. So Kathy calls Alan, during the heated exchange between her and Jim. And Alan thinks Jim is potentially harming Kathy. It was during this call that Kathy screamed that she wanted a divorce.
4: With our church background, that's almost the worst thing you can do is get divorced because that's against God.
1: Now, given their religion and belief system that we mentioned up the top, They're very, very opposed to divorce, as you can imagine. And Kathy knew that Jim would do whatever it took to keep from breaking up his family. Family and friends notice that Jim starts making changes of his own.
4: He lost a lot of weight. He was very depressed. His mind was racing all the time. That made me upset with her to see my brother be treated like that by someone.
1: And after threatening divorce, Kathy thinks ahead. If the worst happens, she'll need a refuge. She starts to look at apartment rentals. And I do think that if you're planning to have a breakup, this is probably a good thing. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be out on the street. Alan is planning to change his life as well. There's certainly nothing keeping him in Texas anymore. Abby calls to tell Alan that she found a new singing gig, but it's on the East Coast, in the Carolinas, over Christmas and this really depressed Alan because he had said he was looking forward to spending the holidays with Abby that year. Again, another wrench in this whole story, another roadblock to meeting her. But this didn't stop him from packing up his bags from Texas and finally finding his way to Victorville where he would anxiously await Abby to return from her gig in the Carolinas. He met Kathy at her newly rented apartment where she tells him some big breaking news. The apartment isn't for her. It's for Alan. Kathy tells Jim that she's going to decide about a divorce after Christmas and that he can use the apartment for the time being while she figures her own life out. This is a pretty sweet gift. I mean, Neve, you don't offer me your LA house whenever I'm in LA, just saying, just as a, an aside, you, you've never done that. You can for me. stay
0: here. You can stay here.
1: Now I've guilt tripped you, so now <sighs> we gotta stay there. But but meanwhile, Kathy was having second thoughts about getting a divorce from Jim, saying that she could never do this to her family. In fact, by the new year, their marriage and Kathy herself are completely transformed. And one night, they even go out to a nice dinner to celebrate their revived marriage. Things are looking up here. But just when you thought this couple was finally getting things right in their marriage, tragedy strikes.
3: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today.
1: On January 24th, 2003, police are called to a local burger joint where Jim is found murdered in the car. Kathy, who was with Jim at the time, tells police that she went into the burger joint restroom and came out to find Jim murdered. It's clear to detectives that the cause of death for Jim included multiple stab wounds, a lot of bleeding, and clear signs of strangulation. As investigators process the scene, Jim's next of kin are informed. Tammy described the moment she heard that her brother had been murdered.
4: I immediately started shaking. I sat on the couch and just tried to process it, but it, it, it's almost, there, there's nothing to compare it to, so you don't know how to feel You don't know what to do. I didn't cry for a long time because I was just shaking. I think my
1: body was just in shock. Of course, I can't even imagine that call, whether it's a parent, sibling, child, friend, relative. It's just horrible. Kathy agrees to go back to the police station with detectives to unravel what happened that night, but not as a suspect. And before they go, police also notice that the van that Kathy and Jim were in was parked very far away from where the actual bathrooms were at the burger joint, which they found very unusual. Because if you're going to go into to pee, you're going to park yeah. as close as possible. And listen, I'm a woman. I pee at every rest stop I can possibly find on the road. You're going to go. You're going to park your car the closest you can to that. And at the police station, police began grilling Kathy about what could have happened. Kathy tells police they had no problems at that point and that they had a wonderful night feeling like kids again. In fact, Kathy was so confident in what she was saying, she even agreed to do a lie detector test. So this, to me, says she's purely just a victim of circumstance. But as police process the crime scene, they realize something very unusual that doesn't exactly match Kathy's account of what happened that night. Let's listen to Sergeant Bobby Dean explain the blood spatter situation.
2: It was pretty bad. There was a lot of blood spatter inside the van, on the console, on the dashboard, the front windshield the uh, seat where he was sitting. But in contrast, there was minimal blood on the driver's seat. That indicated to us that that seat was occupied at the time the murder was committed. That somebody was
1: sitting there. And remember, at the time of the murder, she claimed she was in the restroom at the burger joint. But it was clear, because there was no blood on that side, that someone must have been there, sort of blocking this blood spatter, if you will. Uh, So someone was clearly in the driver's seat. So they asked her about that in her eventual polygraph test. And Kathy doubles down, saying she was not in the van when her husband was murdered. She's adamant about that. But Detective Gina Perez isn't so sure. She thinks that Kathy was very likely in the van, and she wanted more answers. So she asked the, the polygrapher to return and ask more questions. And that's when different stories started coming out. And as we know... That's not a good sign. You never want to change your story. That's just not good. You don't want to be lying to detectives, certainly in a murder case, in any case, but certainly not here. And first that she says she was in the van and that a complete stranger who she met online came out of nowhere and murdered Jim. Which seems a little weird because yes, it is a complete stranger, but clearly you know them because you met them online. So they're not a complete stranger. She says the stranger gets into the vehicle and start struggling with Jim in the passenger side. From the shopping center all the way up to the fast food restaurant. It's probably 25 minutes. She's saying that they're struggling the entire way. Kathy says she was so scared and terrified that she just drove and did what the stranger told her to. Of course, detectives had to ask, why would a man with a knife to your necks allow you to pull over and use the restroom? Because that seems like a good plot for escape. Why would you call 911 where you were in the burger joint? Why not cry for help? Why not do any of the number of things except relieve yourself? And, And a lot of details just weren't adding up here, including the polygraph, which indicated that Kathy wasn't telling the truth. Because of this, she was arrested and detained at the station. Detectives continue to grill Kathy to try to get as much information as they can out of her. And of course, she changes her story yet again. Finally, after hours of interrogation, Kathy reveals what she had been hiding all along. It was Alan LeLama, the DJ, who murdered Jim. So it's kind of big news. Okay. So she goes on to reveal yeah. that she not only knew who Alan was, but that she rents an apartment for him in nearby Apple Valley. Okay, so... All of Kathy's story is just breaking apart here. She's really got no facts that she's presented. This obviously spurs the interest of the police, and they go to the apartment with a search warrant in hopes of finding a potential killer there. But when they get there, they find nothing of interest. In fact, Alan, known for his fast-talking DJ personality, said nothing. He didn't say a single thing to the police when they arrived at his home, which to me is a little suspect. But again, we can't judge someone's guilt based on what they don't say. That's... That's not fair in a court of law. And outside of his house, police find something of interest. In the backseat of Alan's truck, they find the drawstring from a hoodie that is drenched in blood. And this is enough for police to arrest Alan and have the blood on the drawstring tested to see if it does, in fact, belong to Jim. And remember, due to the cause of death, Jim was found with strangulation marks on his neck just hours prior to this. So there could be pieces of the puzzle that are starting to get solved here. Meanwhile, at the station, Kathy is standing by the idea that Alan was the sole killer of her husband. She also tells detectives that Alan was insisting that Jim was a rapist and that Jim needed to be taught a lesson. So just new facts kind of coming out here. Kathy admits she agreed to Alan teaching Jim a lesson, but she denies that she knew anything about a plan for murder. She thought that Alan was just simply going to rough Jim up a little bit and that when he actually did get in the van, he went crazy. It's also at this time that Kathy reveals the sneaking suspicion that we've all had throughout the entire episode. She is, in fact, Abby O. So... No surprise here, right Neve? I mean, this person's story keeps changing. This is not a good thing. She first doesn't yeah. know anyone. She's in the burger joint. <laughs> this doesn't sound like a typical night out, does it, Neve?
0: No, it definitely does not. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, everything, I think uh, I mean, I'm not a detective the way that, uh, you know, police detectives are, but it sounded like it was a pretty poorly hatched plan, half-baked at best. And uh it was probably clear to them from the second they got there, even just from where they were parked, that something didn't feel right. Um, So, you know, it's surprising considering that Kathy had been, you know, plotting and and pretending for so long uh, and had been in the, you know, had been essentially living a lie and creating excuses and had plenty of time to sort of come up with and premeditate. It's surprising how poorly she planned this. Uh, if you ask me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, I agree. And I wonder what's kind of going through Alan's head at this moment, because there's a lot going on. We don't know how he's involved in this case, but also like the love of his life that he sort of switched his whole life for turns out isn't real at all. Detectives grill Alan asking him why he moved to California when he's from Texas. He tells them that he had to move to be with Abby, the woman he met online, but the police realize at that moment that Alan truly has no clue about Kathy being Abby-O, and they break the news to him. So his mind just has to be a flutter. So at this point, Alan realizes that Kathy is trying to frame him and tells this to police saying that Kathy is clearly evil and that he had nothing to do with the murder of her husband, Jim. By this time, detectives are able to review the security footage of the mall where Jim and Kathy were having dinner that night. With Alan still protesting his innocence, investigators examine surveillance footage from the Ontario Mall where Kathy and Jim had dinner the night of the murder. A hooded man who parks his vehicle next to the Quins is seen following them into the mall. And all of these details now start to line up. The stature of the man, the truck, even the hoodie all line up to be the same side of specificity of Alan Lee Lama. And despite all this evidence, Alan is still sticking to his story. He insists that he has not murdered Jim. But all of this isn't quite enough. Investigators need conclusive evidence to tie both Alan and Kathy to the murder, and their computers and cell phones are searched. Now, following the murder, it's revealed that Alan sent text messages to Kathy telling her to get rid of the evidence and make sure there was nothing incriminating left in the van. Facing this undeniable proof that she did conspire with Alan, Kathy at last confesses to her part in her husband's murder and gives her final version of events. When Kathy and Jim are on their way home from dinner, Kathy pulls off the highway into a dead end. She claims that she missed a turn, but it was planned with Alan, who was lying in wait nearby just to murder Jim. During Alan's frenzied attack on Jim, the knife breaks, which I don't know what it takes for a knife to break, but I imagine the sheer force would be a lot. And after the attack, Alan returns to Apple Valley and Kathy drives herself and Jim's body to the burger restaurant. Kathy negotiates a deal pleading guilty to second-degree murder, and she gets 15 years with a chance of parole. Just keep that in mind. With no evidence of any domestic abuse in her marriage, her motive wasn't revenge. So we don't really know what her motive was here. Kathy also agreed to testify against Allen as part of her plea deal, according to the Los Angeles Times. The tests on the hoodie cord came back as well. It confirmed that they were traces of both Allen and Jim's DNA. In July 2004, Alan Lama is found guilty of murder and conspiracy to murder, and he gets life with no parole. So Alan gets life, no parole. Kathy gets 15 years with a chance of parole. Of course, everyone close to Jim wonders what Kathy's true motive could have been and why he had to die. Jim's sister Tammy can only speculate on what she thinks happened. I think she
4: saw the murder as a way to get some life insurance money, But I think even more than that, she was so done being the person that was married to Jim and didn't want to have to deal with him anymore. I remember staring at his body and thinking, he was so young and now he's gone. And I thought, I can't believe that all of the conversations we had ended up in this. It's just empty, just an emptiness. And he's just gone. I love Jimmy very much.
1: I mean, this has this has got to be one of the most severe catfishes I've ever come across. I mean, here we have Alan, who's the actual catfish victim, uh, and I and I believe, like in your show, he would be the guy that we're trying to kind of solve this case for. He's being groomed into being sort of the perp of this whole thing. So you kind of have to wonder if Kathy was ever looking for love. Or she was kind of looking for this hitman in some sort of way. What do you think, Neve?
0: As I was listening just now, uh, it started to dawn on me, too, this question of well, was Kathy's motive from the jump to essentially draw this guy into the Abby character so that she could then befriend him as Kathy and, you know, create this scenario wherein he would. Do whatever she needed him to do because of and and i think as i say it i realize it's not possible um and i think one of the things that's so interesting about making catfish the show is seeing these stories coming into these long relationships oftentimes years uh since they've begun and then unraveling them and realizing that in almost every instance with very few exceptions there's never a plan. There's never, there's never a thought on the catfish side right. that's like, "Ooh, I'm gonna make this fake profile so that I can trick some person, drag out a long relationship, in the hopes of getting them to do something." That like, it, it's very, very rarely that um, considered. Oftentimes, <laughs> it's, it's just sort of an accidental thing. I feel like making a fake profile because I'm unhappy or I'm bored. Oh my god, someone is talking to me they're really cute i want to keep talking to them and then months go by and oh no i'm in this relationship how can i ever tell them the truth and it rarely is something that people have sort of set out to do it does though happen in some cases where and it's it is often in revenge where someone feels as though a friend or or an ex did something that hurt them and they want to then mess with them Mm. um and they'll make a fake account to do that so it's not impossible but it, it, it again, it doesn't feel like Kathy had much of a plan. Uh, I think right. she just f- fell in love with Alan. And, needed, and the excitement needed of help. Alan. Right. right, and needed help getting out of her marriage. Although I don't know why she didn't just leave her husband. I mean, I understand maybe religion had a, a played a role, but surely a divorce is better than murder. Uh, so I'm not really sure how she justified that decision. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's obvious that she didn't really think this through very well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, often in these things, I always wonder, like, clearly, you know, sometimes when you get caught in a lie, it feels easier to just kind of keep going with that lie as opposed to kind of admit the truth. And it's just easy for it to snowball. And, you know, did you know that according to a recent study, over 40 percent of people in established relationships actually met their current partners online? So. This is a growing trend that will just continue, and another recent study also showed that nearly one out of every four women actually admitted to having perpetuated catfishing at some point in their lives and Neve, before we wrap up this episode, you know you've done so many shows on this, and you're an expert in it, and I know in your case it was it was true, but is it usually women catfishing men? Is it even is it the other way around
0: that's a question i've I've heard a lot and and I don't have a definitive answer obviously uh, it's hard to m- make that exact measurement but um from my experience it's pretty equal um i okay. uh i don't know if men or women are better at catfishing or more vulnerable or susceptible to being catfished but um it seems to be a pretty even uh phenomenon across all genders so uh, I don't think it's it's conclusive either way,
1: yeah. I mean, I think I think we're all I think we all can be as human beings. I think we're all fallible and we're susceptible to our emotions sometimes and the things that we want to see in people. And I'm the forever optimist, but I do believe in kind of doing these betrayal stories that. You know, it's it's important to kind of keep your head about you and keep your rationality and tell other people what's going on. So that way they can kind of be your sources of reason here, uh, you know, and keep keep an eye on your wife's OnlyFans for catfishing, Neve. <laughs> uh, you might get a request from Darren Karp. We don't know if Darren yeah. Karp is who she says she is. That's right. It's, it, it, I, you know, it what? one thing crazy that news.
0: bothers me, though, is it to me, it feels like Kathy should have been considered more guilty and then, then Alan, That's I mean, what sure, bothered Alan me. may have, Alan may have, and and obviously I'm no way diminishing the fact that he physically may have murdered, uh, Jim, but Kathy conspired. She set the whole thing up. She enlisted Alan to do that. Um, to me that, that almost feels worse that, you know, it was her plan and it was her, you know.
1: Well, she, right. She it doesn't feel like Alan would
0: thing.
1: have. It doesn't seem like Alan would have done anything. We don't know, but it doesn't seem like Alan would have. Like he wasn't looking to murder someone. He no, was just she, looking to fall she in She
0: manipulated him. Yeah, she. Yeah. She was the the master. She had a master plan, and she she was the puppet master here. I feel like, while right. you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what. I'm no, not I agree. It seems seems like a raw deal for for well, not a raw deal for Alan, but I think. Kathy should have been equally as punished, if not more so.
1: I agree. It does seem a little wrong, um, but court of law is court of law. And, and, you know, the evidence, you know, Alan did was the guy who had the hand to the to the strangulation. So in that in that sense, I think that's why we view him harshly. But what a tragic story of betrayal with what appears to be multiple victims. Even the killer himself was a victim in some sort of way. And of course, Thank you to the incredible Neve Shulman for joining me on this week's episode. Neve, where can everyone find you these days? What other projects do you have going on before we sign off here?
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, you can find me on all social platforms. Just Neve Shulman. Uh, TikTok is my fastest growing platform at the moment, so go ahead check me out on there. Um, but yeah. uh, actually, I am really excited because there's a new season of True Life Crime coming out on MTV. Um, which is an incredible show hosted by Domiti Pongo, but i uh, I sort of do the intro setups at the beginning yes. of each episode um so check out or keep your eye out for for true life crime catfish is also airing every tuesday night uh, I don't know how much longer this season will be but there'll be more coming um and yeah you can uh hopefully maybe sometime soon you'll you'll find me on Broadway too if if I I get a if I get a part in, in a show. Dude, we'll see. you as the
1: black swan will always be my just favorite image of all time. But Neve, you're amazing. Thank you so much. And for everyone else out there, I'm Darren Carp and thank you for joining me on this week's episode. For fan reactions and more, head over to crimefeed.com podcasts. And for more true crime TV like this, be sure to download the Discovery Plus app today.
3: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even